Congregations. If you don't have your own Bible, there should be plenty of Bibles scattered in the pew backs in front of you. You'll find the book of Galatians in your New Testament. Uh, keep working your way through Acts, the book of Romans, through the Corinthians, and then you will find Galatians. And once you find Galatians, why don't you find chapter 6? Galatians chapter 6, and we will be focusing in on verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. Our Mother's Day sermon is entitled, A Mom's Motivation. A Mom's Motivation, from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, thank you for the opportunity to think a, a little bit more about the moms in our life, whether it be our own mothers or maybe our wives or even our in-laws, we pray that uh, you would help us to, yes, honor our moms today, to let them know that we value them and they are so uh, incredible and uh, we are so grateful for them. And, but Father, we don't want the praise to end there. We want the praise of our moms to resound to the praise of your glory because you have given us the family. You have given us fathers. You have given us mothers. And you have given us children. And, and Lord, you, this is your design. Moms are your creation and your doing. So we honor them and we are grateful to them. But Father, much, much more. We are grateful to you. And we want you to be the object of our praise preeminently. And we want your glory to resound as we honor our moms, and encourage them, we pray, through your word here in the text. We ask it in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Well, I think the video that we just saw uh, clearly demonstrates that no one deserves maybe a, a special day all to themselves more than our moms. I ran across a cartoon this week that showed a psychologist, and the psychologist was talking to his patient, and the patient was, uh, of course, laying down on the couch um, and uh, the patient happened to be a mom, and she was expressing to her, psych- her psychologist that she was incredibly uh, stressed and overwhelmed, and he, he said, well, tell me about that, and she started to talk about some of her issues, and uh, a- after a moment, the psychologist stopped and said, wait, 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 just, just a second, so let me get this right, you spend 50% of your energy, you would say, on your job. And the mom said, yeah, that's, that's about right. And he said, okay, and you spend about 50% of your energy on your, on your husband. Is that about right? She said, yeah, that, that's about right. And he said, and you also spend about 50% of your energy on your, on your children. Is that about right? And she said, yeah, that's about right. And he said, well, I think I see your problem, right? For you math wids out there, get it? All right. Motherhood, I think, is um, it's a tender and tumultuous. It's it's titillating and it's tiring. It's thrilling and it's, it's often a thankless calling. One minute you have this, the great satisfaction of, of a two-year-old running up to you, screaming, Mama, at the top of his lungs, lunging at your feet to give you a great big hug. And the next minute you have the same two-year-old uh, clinging to your legs and vomiting all over your shoes, Right? One moment you have the joy of progress actually being made at school as you've worked countless hours with your teenager, with his or her, her, her math, and then you're jarred back to reality as that same teenager once again has spoken to you disrespectfully and needs correcting. You feel the twinge of relief as you think the last load of laundry is folded and 
put away, only to walk into the laundry room to see uh, many, many more loads waiting there to be washed and to be put away. Now, obviously, it's clear that I'm not a mom, but I bet it's safe to say that the ups and downs and the twists and turns of motherhood have to weigh on a person, have to, have to weigh on a person. And I'm just guessing that if you were honest moms out there, that from time to time, or maybe even now, you may be asking yourself in your own mind, is, is this worth it? Is it worth it? Am I making a real difference? Does any of what I'm doing really matter? Well, in our sermon today from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, in which I've entitled A a Mom's Motivation, I want us to explore, particularly for you moms out there, there, the motivation of motherhood. See, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul spoke to the churches in the region of Galatia, and he wanted to motivate them. He wanted to motivate them to continue the good work of being a Christian. To continue to do good works and good deeds. And moms, I think uh, you would agree that being a mom is a good deed. And being a a faithful, Christian, Christ-centered, biblically-minded mom, you are always doing good deeds. In fact, if you want to take it, Take a look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. We see a bit of the context here. Paul says this in verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Words I want to focus in on. Let us do good to all people, especially, he says, to those who belong to the family of believers. So Paul speaks to the Corinthian churches and to the Christians today, including you moms out there, and he says, He says, brothers and sisters, as the opportunity arises, let's do good. Let's do good to all people, including your children. Let's do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of Christ. So moms, I want to speak just a moment, if I may, from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, about a mom's motivation. What motivates you to continue to do the good work of being a mom. So three parts, three simple parts to this verse. First of all, at the beginning of verse 9, we see the prohibition. The prohibition. Verse 9 reads this way, let us not become weary in doing good. So we have the prohibition. Let us not become weary in doing good. Then we see the promise. Let us not become weary in doing good. And here's the promise. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. So there's a prohibition, there is a, a promise, and there is, then there's the prerequisite. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest, and here's the prerequisite, if we do not give up. So let's begin at the beginning with the prohibition. With the prohibition, let us not, Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. Ran across a story of a, of a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and they were very excited because they had gotten their mother a Mother's Day present, and it was a a house plant. And they were very proud of themselves because they had used their own money to purchase this plant for their mother, and so the older of them presented it to their mom. And the mom said, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you for this this plant, these flowers. It's wonderful. And then she noticed that that the oldest, the six-year-old, had a bit of a sad face. 
And so the mom said, honey, what's wrong? This is a happy moment. And the six-year-old said, well, well, mom, there was a, there was a bouquet that, that we really wanted to give you at the flower shop. It was beautiful, and you would have loved it, but we just didn't have enough money. It was, it was too expensive. And the mom said, oh, it's okay. I love what you got me. She said, well, it was even better than beautiful. It had a ribbon on it. And on the ribbon, it, the words were, were, rest in peace. <laughs> and we thought that it would be perfect, because you're always asking for a little peace, so you can get some rest. <laughs> you know, the verse begins here in verse 9, with an admonition to Christians to not grow tired to the point of quitting and doing good to other people, including certainly not limited to, but, but, but including the good work and the good deeds of motherhood. So Paul begins, he says, friends, let us, let us not become weary. Let us not become weary in doing good. The word here, become weary, it can mean either emotional weariness, that is you are just, your, your spirit is broken, Right? You, you just don't have any desire anymore to, to keep going. It can speak to an emotional weariness, if you will. But it, it, it can certainly also refer to a physical weariness. That is, you're simply exhausted. You're, you're wearied out. You're, you're worn out. And of course, those two things in life and in reality often go together, don't they? I think it's, it's helpful. This word is, is used elsewhere in the New Testament uh, in, in, an, in, in an illustrative way. In fact, the word is used of a farmer. Now, in this little community in Sistan Park, I think we can uh, mostly relate to that. It's used of a farmer who is working hard in the fields, and the farmer gets tired and fatigued, and so that's, the farmer slacks his exertion. He begins to, to exert less and less of, him, of himself and, and give less and less energy because he is just growing physically and emotionally tired. Now farmers, I know you work hard nowadays. I know you do hard work. But farming in the ancient world was backbreaking. It was physical labor. It was exhausting. It was hands in the dirt. It was a laborious task. And there were no air-conditioned combined cabins back then. And so this, this picture that Paul gives to us, he, he speaks to the Christians out there, and you moms who are believers, he says, don't, don't be like that farmer. Don't be so tired of doing the task of motherhood that you lessen your effort, that you give less and less and less of yourself. So moms, let me ask you a quick question. Do you ever, in Paul's words, become weary in doing good. Can you maybe relate to the ancient farmer? Like the farmer, in his uh, sheer physical labor exertion, is, is the physical exertion of motherhood, is it getting to you? Is it wearing on you? That of cleaning house or making meals or constantly picking up toys or feeding babies in the middle of the night or helping a teenager with homework or playing chauffeur to all of your kids and taking them to all of their events or managing a complex schedule of responsibilities and so much more. It can be physically taxing on a mom. Not only can it be physically taxing, but I bet you would agree that it can probably be emotionally taxing as well. 
Maybe you're emotionally tired of whiny or thankless children, of constant, seemingly constant discipline issues. Maybe with a teenager, with a rebellious spirit, just emotionally tired of just not being recognized. You just want someone to say thank you for all that you do. Or maybe you have a whole host of other experiences that motherhood comes along with, and you're just emotionally tired. You're at your wit's end. Maybe that's you. Do you ever just think about, you know, I don't have to do all that I do. As a mom, I don't have to do all that I do. I could, I could give less. I could do less. I could, I could slow down a bit. Paul says to Christians out there, don't become weary in doing good. And he says to you moms today, don't, don't become emotionally weary. Don't become physically weary to the point that you are giving less and less and less of yourself. Don't do it. Keep up the good fight. Keep up the good work of motherhood. So we see the prohibition, right? Let us not become weary and do we good, but the prohibition then is followed by a promise, and thank God that it is. Paul doesn't just say, don't do this. He says, don't do this, and here is why. Let us not become weary in doing good, and here's the promise for at the proper time. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. See, once again, Paul uses, he continues on with this agricultural imagery. It's not lost on this little uh, community of ours, this agricultural community here in Cisna Park. He says, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. So now we are in the midst of planting season, are we not? We are in the midst of planting season, of putting seeds in the ground. And that planting season is, is, is then followed by a long period of prayer, right? And a long period of, of waiting. A long period that we say, God, grow these seeds. Give us the conditions that we need. And we do all of that with an eye towards the harvest, do we not? We plant, and then there is a time period of waiting. Until, in Paul's words, the proper time. And at the proper time, to use Paul's words, then we will reap a harvest. See, Paul says that what is true agriculturally is true for the Christian spiritually. Just as we labor at planting seeds in view of the time that harvest will come, so too Paul says that that we as Christians should not grow weary in planting spiritual seeds, those good deeds that he has mentioned earlier, and doing good in view of the time when a spiritual harvest will come. So then we have to ask ourselves, what is that harvest that he's speaking about? Well, I think if you want to look in your Bibles just one verse earlier at verse 8, I think that Paul shows us, he tells us what this harvest is. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Paul says this. Well, let's just start on verse 7 if you're looking in the Bible. He says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 8. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, 
from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So Paul, I think, has showed us here in verse 8 what he means when he says in verse 9, at the proper time that we will reap a harvest. That harvest is eternal life. We will reap eternal life. So what does Paul mean by that? What does he, what does he mean if we, if we don't become weary in, in doing good deeds as Christians, that, that at the proper time there will be a, a harvest, a sort of growth, and that, and that that growth is eternal life? I take it to mean that if our actions as Christians, moms, as Christian mothers, that if they are sown in the Spirit, if they are done under the Spirit's control, if they are done to the glory of the Father with eternal things in mind, then they, those good deeds, will have an eternal impact. In the New Testament, this, this term, this idea of eternal life is sort of, uh, it has two sides to, to it, if you will. It refers both to a quantity of life, That is a length of life. That is life forever with God. But it also refers to a quality of life. That is, if we are a Christian right now, the Bible says that we have eternal life. Because eternal life is knowing God the Father and knowing His Son, Jesus Christ. So we have eternal life as Christians. It's a a quality of life in relationship to God. And we will have eternal life. So moms... Moms, if you heed the prohibition not to become weary in doing good in your motherhood, then God's promise to you is that your mothering to the glory of God will reap a harvest of eternal impact for you and for your children, both in your, in, in your relationship with God now as you mother and for eternity. But notice, what Paul says, this harvest will happen when? He says, at the proper time. That is, at God's time. Then, he says, you will see the reward of all of your labors. At the proper time. At the proper time. At the proper time, you, mother, may reap a harvest of your children giving their lives to Jesus Christ. You may reap at the proper time a harvest of of seeing your children grow in their character into the image of Jesus Christ. At the proper time, you may reap the harvest of of seeing your your children make God-honoring choices as they grow into adulthood and beyond. And how sweet is that? Those of you who are grandparents and you have children and grandchildren and they're walking with the Lord, how sweet a harvest is. That is, you, you may reap at the proper time the harvest of your children meeting a godly man or a godly woman and having a great and wholesome marriage. At the proper time, you might, you might reap the harvest of seeing even your own character shaped through what is often the crucible of motherhood. God uses motherhood to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. At the proper time, you may reap a harvest of, of what, moms, what an incredible privilege you have of spending time with, with these little ones until they get older and, and, and shaping their souls. What an incredible privilege it is. See, often we don't see the results of our do-gooding, if you will, until much, much, much later. Until, in Paul's words, the proper time. 
But he says, the proper time, at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. There's a story told of a, of a chaplain many, many years ago. He was a, a chaplain for the English army, and he worked in an English hospital. And uh, he would often visit the ward of soldiers who had been wounded in battle, many of whom were on their deathbeds. And this particular chaplain, his, his name was Dyson, Dyson Haig. And he was visiting one man who seemingly his life was drawing to an end. And he asked, uh, the man asked him if he would write a letter for him. He, the dying man, the soldier, wanted to, to write a letter to his Sunday school teacher. And he wanted his Sunday school teacher so many years ago to know that he was prepared to die that moment. Because he would face eternity knowing that he was a Christian, knowing that he would be with Jesus. And so he begged this chaplain to write this letter. And so the chaplain did write the letter. And a few weeks later, he received the reply from that particular teacher. And the teacher wrote, and I quote here, Just a month ago, I resigned my class, my Sunday school class of young men, which I had been teaching for many, many years, because I felt like my my teaching was just getting nowhere. And then he writes, Then... Your letter came, and, and, and you told me of how my teaching it had helped prepare this fallen soldier for an eternity with Jesus Christ. And I've asked for my class back. And she ends the letter saying, May God have mercy on me. Moms, let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. So there's the prohibition. There is the promise. And then there is the prerequisite. There is a prerequisite to this promise. In other words, there's something that we must do as Christians and as Christian mothers if we want the promise of reaping a harvest at the proper time to hold true. So the verse from the beginning, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, notice the word there, If there is a contingency, there is a prerequisite, what is it? If we do not give up, if we don't give in. Here we see the possible consequence of becoming weary of doing good as Christians or as Christian mothers if we don't see the immediate results and we give up. If we say, I'm not going to do good anymore, or I'm going to do less good as a Christian or as a mom. He says, no, no, no. See, the promise is contingent upon the prerequisite. If you do not give up. The root of this word here translated give up was used to describe a bowstring. So think of a bow and arrow, right? So there's the bow part of the bow and arrow, and we have that in our minds. And this word was was used to describe a bow that was so frail that it was about to break. A a bowstring that was so worn thin from constant use and from constant stress that it was just about to pop. It was just about to give in. It was just about to succumb to the pressure. I think you could reword it a bit and say, Paul says, says, moms, we will reap a harvest if we do not succumb 
I think is a good word. If we don't succumb to the emotional and the physical, the physical weariness that comes along with being a mom. So mom, do you, do you at times maybe feel like that bowstring about to break? Like the pressure and the stress of motherhood that, that they're so constant and so unescapable that you, you can't get relief from them. And you're just, you're about, you're so worn thin. You're about to give up the good fight and be a good and godly mom. Maybe that picture describes you today. Or maybe it will in a year or two or three or 20. And if it does, let me encourage you as Paul encourages us. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep going. Keep the fight. Keep up the good work. Because Paul says if we do, there's a harvest to be reaped. So, I want to end with this story. You're likely familiar with a young man, well, many years ago, he was a young man, by the name of William Wilberforce. His story uh, became popular with the movie uh, Amazing Grace. Uh, He was kind of the central character, historical figure. William Wilberforce was one night very discouraged, and he sat in his office weeping and uh, downtrodden. He was very discouraged one night. The year was 19, excuse me, 1790, and he had just gotten back from Parliament, and he had suffered yet another defeat. See, he had been battling, fighting for 10 years in Britain to end the slave trade, and he had been defeated once again. He was tired and frustrated, and so he was a, was a Christian, and so he, he opened his Bible to seek the strength of the Lord. And as he opened up his Bible, there was a, a little piece of paper that kind of fluttered to the ground, and it was unexpected, and so he, he, he picked it up, and it was, a, it was a letter. It was a little note that was pinned to him from, uh, from a, a friend and an acquaintance. You may have heard of the guy, John Wesley. He was the founder of uh, Methodism. They were friends. And John Wesley had written William Wilberforce this, this letter. And so he, he picked it up and he read it. And the letter read this way. Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. And then he penned these words, unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be with you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? And then he finishes with these great words. Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. And as you know the story that William Wilberforce continued to do the good work, and eventually the slave trade was abolished in England. Moms, it's your day, so I'll end with this. Maybe you find yourself tired and frustrated and a bit worn thin, like Wilberforce was. If that's you, may I take the liberty of using Wesley's words and imparting them to you as a blessing as we leave. Unless the divine power 
moms, has raised you up. I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise of motherhood. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of children and chores. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out. But if God be, if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary, moms, of well-doing. Go in the name of God and in the power of his might. Let's pray together.